He made a good confession. I'm talking here about the prodigal son. That boy made a good confession. A very good confession. Now I know the boy never entered a reconciliation room like the one we have here at St. Pius. Nor did he use the traditional opening statement, Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. Nor did he receive a formal penance by a validly ordained priest and get absolved by a validly ordained priest and say an act of contrition. But he made a good confession nonetheless. Because all the elements that the Church says are necessary for a good, valid confession were present in this story, either explicitly or implicitly. So what four elements are necessary for a good confession? Do you know? In other words, what four things are required for a person to be absolved of his sins in the Sacrament of Reconciliation? Every Catholic should know these for lots of reasons, not the least of which is that his eternal salvation might hang in the balance. Think about it, my brothers and sisters. If a person has committed a mortal sin and he needs God's forgiveness, he won't know if he's actually received that forgiveness unless he knows what God requires of him and what God requires of the priest. If he's ignorant of those things, then all he can do is hope that he's been forgiven. Well, if you paid attention when you were in catechism class or in Catholic school, you know the answer. Four elements of a good confession are contrition, confession, absolution, and satisfaction. Contrition, confession, and satisfaction are acts of the penitent. Absolution is, of course, the action of the priest. Applying this now to the story of the prodigal son. First of all, let me say that we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that this boy was in the state of mortal sin. Many of our Protestant brothers and sisters will say to us, Oh, there's no such thing as mortal sin. It's not in the Bible. Oh, yes, it is. St. John, in chapter 5 of his first letter, speaks of it as deadly sin, or the sin unto death, which he explicitly distinguishes from lesser sins, what we would call venial sins. And mortal sin is present by implication in this story of the prodigal son, because what does his father say to his older son at the very end, after the boy gets upset that his dad has thrown a big party for his wayward brother? The father says, we must celebrate and rejoice because your brother was dead and has come to life again. Now, the older brother could have said at that point, wait a minute, Daddy. Bad boy baby brother isn't dead. He's very much alive. He's having a grand old time with his friends right now, which is precisely why I'm so upset. The older brother didn't say that because he understood. His father was speaking in spiritual terms, not physical terms. And from that perspective, the younger son had been dead. He had cut himself off totally from his father and family, through his materialism and fornication and probably a lot of other things. Remember when he left, it says he took everything. He never intended to go back. So how did the reconciliation happen? Well, first of all, there was contrition. The younger son experienced true sorrow for his sins. It's very clear from the story the contrition was not what we would call perfect, it was what we would call imperfect. 
Perfect contrition is being sorry for your sins because you love God deeply and are sorry that you've offended the Lord whom you love so much. Imperfect contrition is being sorry because you're afraid of going to hell. Because you're afraid of being punished for what you've done. Now it's obviously much better to have perfect contrition. But the really good news is you only need to have imperfect contrition to receive God's forgiveness in the sacrament of reconciliation. Notice why the prodigal son finally made the decision to go back to his dad. It was not primarily because of love. First and foremost, it was because of fear. He was afraid he was going to die. And he was right. If he had kept hanging around with Porky Pig and Company, he probably would have died. So he said to himself, in effect, you know, I had it pretty good back home. My father's servants ate certainly better than I'm eating right now. Maybe I'll go back to my dad, and he'll make me one of his servants. It's worth a shot. At least I'll get a roof over my head and three square meals a day. Contrition. Which brings us to confession. The second step in the reconciliation process. When the prodigal son finally met his dad face to face, first thing he did was to confess his guilt. He did it clearly. He did it honestly. To his credit, he didn't try to minimize what he had done and make any lame excuses for his behavior. He called his sin, sin. Father, I have sinned against God and against you. One of the things I can relate to in this part of the story, maybe you can too, is what I would call the rehearsal. He rehearses his confession before he makes it. Have you ever done that? I have lots of times. The father, of course, forgives immediately and welcomes his son back into the family. And in the process, notice, he doesn't throw the boy's sin back in his face. That's significant. He reads the, his son's heart. He hears the words of sorrow and repentance. And that's sufficient. That's enough. Which is precisely the way it is for us after we go to confession. God forgives us, yes. But he also forgets, which means that that sin never comes between us and him again. He knows we did it, of course, God knows everything. But he treats us as if we had never done it. The absolution in the sacrament of reconciliation comes when the priest says, I absolve you from your sins in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The absolution in this story is not quite as explicit, but it's there. It's implicit in the words and the actions of the Father. It's implicit in his joy, in his embrace, in his kiss, as well as his gift of a new set of clothes, which are definitely the clothes of a son. They're the clothes of a royal son. They're not the clothes of a servant. This brings us at last to satisfaction. Which has nothing to do with the old Rolling Stones song, by the way. I date myself there. If we're truly sorry for our sins, we will try to make amends for them, to make what the church calls satisfaction for them. In other words, we will try to undo whatever negative consequences our sins have caused in the lives of others. This, not surprisingly, is the purpose of a penance that the priest gives during the confession. Now we can do this, we can make satisfaction for our sins through our words, things we say, through our actions, and even through our prayers. 
If you've ever been to confession to me, you know that when I give a penance of prayers, I will almost always tell you to pray those prayers specifically for one or more of the people you've hurt by your sins, the people you mentioned in your confession. Praying for those we sin against is one way of undoing some of the consequences of our negative actions. This idea of satisfaction, like absolution, is not explicit in the story of the prodigal son, but it can be reasonably presumed. If this boy was really sorry for how he had hurt his dad, then you can be certain that after he returned, returned to his home, he tried to be the best son he could possibly be from that moment onward. You can be sure that he tried to reach out at some point to his brother and smooth things over with him, because that relationship was also in need of some big-time repair. If the prodigal son was not willing to do those things, I would question whether he was really sorry for his sins in the first place. I question his contrition. Personally, I think he was so grateful to his dad and so thankful for being home that he happily spent the rest of his life making amends for the things he had done in his past. So there it is, the story of the prodigal son's good confession. It's my prayer this morning that this story will provide some added incentive for us to make good confessions ourselves in the future, because the real reason why Jesus told this parable was to move us all to repentance. Sincere repentance, heartfelt repentance, genuine repentance.